Welcome to Death Readers. I'm Doug. I'm Rob. This is episode 116 of Death Readers, the podcast where Rob and I share our thoughts and notes with each other on the books we're reading for the first time. If this is your first time listening, we suggest reading The Legend of Dritz Book 5, Streams of Silver, the prologue through chapter 6, before listening to this episode. That way you too can follow along. Do we have any uh, housekeeping? I mean, technically, I think we should address the uh, Oliphant in the room um, that we've done our readers a great disservice. Oh, and advertised only four chapters or last time, and we've read farther. Why don't you tell us about that, Doug? Uh, oh, okay. Well, if I'm being honest, yeah. Uh, we we read more. We read more, and I I'm not gonna apologize for reading more. I mean, you should. I'm not gonna. For, because... First of all, <laughs> all right, Salvatore, I should apologize for writing more. And uh, we should apologize for reading more. Look, if you're coming to this hard upon from the last episode without looking at liner notes, what we said last time, we read more. Yeah, but if you're coming from the last episode and you're thinking that we read a certain amount and you didn't read that amount and now you know we're reading more, uh, I just said read through prologue through chapter six in the intro and if, that, if you're not listening to that if you're if you're like lottie dottie i'm exercising i'm mowing a lawn i'm uh like filling out my divorce proceeding paperwork whatever you're doing while you're listening to our podcast uh you should be listening attentively and if you're not that's not my fault no but false advertising is and i'm it's not, not going to stand for it and the listener is not going to stand for it Someone listen, has think... to advocate for them, and it's going to be me. Listen, I, I'm, uh, we made a mistake. We changed our mind. That's not false advertising. Look, I'm just saying I watched Inherit the Wind again recently, and I'm about to go Clarence Darrow on your ass. Is Inherit the Wind, like, does it end like, like Willy Wonka, where the wind is like, you get nothing! Kind Cause of? Because they're at, like, a, they're at like yeah. a, a will reading. Yeah, the wind's like, I said good day, sir! <sighs> <laughs> You stole fizzy lifting oxygen. <laughs> and then you broke wind to get down. Ew. So, uh, yeah, Rob Rob wants to shame me for wanting to read more. But, you know, dear listener, I just want to make sure you get the most robust four podcasts you can. And it has <laughs> nothing to do with anything else besides <laughs> that. So... Is there any more housekeeping you'd like no, to... No, I don't, uh, I, don't, I don't think so. Is there any more uh, dirty laundry you'd like to air? At the moment, no. I'm going to keep my dirty laundry fetid and cloistered so it can really build up a good stink for later on. Cool. Yeah. Um, gamey. Gamey smell. Then let us proceed to the edition edition. Yeah. What's uh, what, what edition am I, am I reading, Doug? I don't know. Whichever one I bought for you. <laughs> exactly. Um, it's probably the same one I'm reading because I bought mine at the same place just a week or two before. Mm -hmm. So being that you know how to tell which edition you have, why don't you go first? Because I'm, I'm going to defer to your uh, expertise. Expertise. Welp. It looks like it was originally published as book two of the Icewind Dale trilogy in January of 89. Yeah, that's mine says too. This edition, first printing, May twenty or er, two thousand seven. Yep, that's what mine says. Twenty twenty seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, whilst this iteration of that printing uh, is the thirteenth printing. Interesting. 
What does yours say? So you're saying that the smallest number is the number that this is. Yes, mine goes 20, 19, 18, 17, 16, 15, 14, 13, full stop. Okay, mine mine does something similar. Yes. Uh, except that mine full stops at 12. <gasps> See what happens when you buy your book oh, two weeks before mine? Uh, it looks like I've got a much rarer edition than you. Uh... Uh, you know, I've 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 read a lot of old books. I was in the market for something a little younger, a much older, a little book. bit of a little bit of book arm candy. It's all I'm saying. I will say so. Besides that, it's that's all they are. We bought these books relatively recently. No, um, you bought these books because I'm like I don't know where to get it, and you said why don't you go to the store? I'm like, will you go for no, me? Stores scare me. To, I said why don't you go to the bookstore, yeah. the place where you buy books, and I said that's scary. Yeah, you did. And then you went there for me like a hero. Bonnie Tyler was playing. Hero could save us. I'm not going to stay away. It's not Bonnie Tyler, but sure. No, but it is. I mean, it's really. It's it's, it's 100% extremely accurate right now. Do you know? What song I was singing and why it's 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 historically accurate in this period of time. Toby Maguire's Spider-Man? From the Spider-Man soundtrack. Yeah. Yes. I never had that soundtrack. I remember that song vaguely being popular and maybe tied into it. I didn't care for it though. It wasn't a good song. Well, it was exceptionally I preferred, I preferred Weird Al's uh riff on Piano Man. Sling us a web, you're the Spider-Man. Well, regardless, uh, the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer dropped a couple days ago and uh this morning. There No. I watched it last night. It could not have dropped this morning. You did not watch it last night. I did watch it last night. I texted you last night to watch it, and I watched it last night. Oh, it's Tuesday. It dropped last night after leaking yesterday. Yes. Ew. Um, Yeah, so... After dribbling its web fluid all over the web. So, uh, yeah, that's why that that's why that reference is it's really worth what we just done for it. So let's move on. Um, the uh, I will say in this in this book, it, it is uh, because the editions I've been reading have been so old. Mm. It's been difficult for me to articulate why I thought that the versions I had were so different and inter- and, and there was something different about them. Specifically, I figured it out with with buying this new book that the versions I've been reading off all have the Wizards of the Coast emblem on the spine whereas these have the dungeons and dragons emblem on the spine mm. so Same. that that's a huge difference between like the way that the books look on your shelf like my yeah. my books will no would no longer be uniformly spined yeah because i had a physical copy of the crystal shard and it has the same thing wizards and, and dungeons and dragons right D and D. yes d ampersand d also, I want to. So, since we're talking about the cover, uh, something I hadn't noticed until just now is that on the cover you can see very plainly and clearly the foaming mug shield on the dwarven statues in the background, and even on a, the side of the the shield that Brunor, who I'm guessing who is Brunor, is holding on the cover. Mm-hmm. I would not have noticed it had you not pointed it out, but you're absolutely right. And also, if we if we take a gander on the back cover, you'll notice that it does certainly appear, spoilers, like a certain red-headed young human eventually finds her way into the halls of Mithril with her friends and family. We'll get to that, because I've got a little gloating dance prepared. And, if you'll notice, okay. 
uh, much like there was on the cover for Exile, mm-hmm. there is a shadowy figure in the distance that suggests... A bedaggered figure. A bedaggered figure that suggests... A bete noir, if you will. Suggests uh, a pursuer. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, do you have any more anything to say about the edition edition? I do not. I do. Uh, I oh, feel like what? The, I feel like our paper has gotten of wor- of worse quality. Hmm. I feel like we talked about this a little bit, and the, these more modern printings look like they're on like newspaper print stock. Or it's not. It's like slightly thicker than that, but the coloration looks very much like newsprint. See, my crystal shard is at least old enough that it's been yellowed. So Maybe that's this, what I'm looking at. So all my looks... other books are older. This looks creamier and just like it's newer to me. It does I, I'm not seeing a, a textural difference to me, to my mm. eyes. I think and I think what I'm talking about mostly is the color, and the color looks like that gray paper of newsprint, whereas the other stuff I have, the older books, all have that, like a, 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 a yellowing mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. feels more like a book should than this. I mean, if it was first printed in, this edition was first printed in 2007 and it's the 13th printing and if they do one a year that would mean this book was printed in 2020 and it's not had time to yellow so just uh mine was printed in 2019 then well i'm sure mine is uh even creamier than yours they say that a printing can save us well <laughs> only gutenberg am i right the the god's bible the guy who printed the God's Bible. I'm more of a King James man. Because if you like your Bible edited. Oh, it says the guy who read the abridged Tarzan. <laughs> You'll oh. never live this down. God damn it. Damn you. <laughs> okay, let's move on to what's what's the first thing we're going to talk about. Uh, let's us talk first about the map. Yeah. Uh, my note here is looks like we're going to cover a lot more space in this book than previous books. The Maybe fact, that'll keep it interesting. The fact that the, the map had a trail, Brunor's trail, a dotted line, I was so excited to see that, gave me hope. Also, that appears to be in the ocean. Oh, that's just the uh, legend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's the legend. <laughs> Brunor did not... Uh, teleport to the ocean. To 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 be very honest, when I read that, I when I first saw that, I thought, "Why the fuck are they telling me that Bruno walked that little bit in the ocean? That's dumb. <laughs> That's stupid. Why would he? Oh, I'm, I'm excited to see how he gets there and how we whatever happens in the ocean under the 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 large banner that reads "Stream of Silver in the Sky." Like he, <laughs> like when you see that above you, you think, "Oh, you don't think? Oh, I'm in a magical world. Who wrote that?" What god put those words in the sky? Well, it's I mean, very I think, sod. I think when you're fighting orcs, you know that you're in a magical world. Or when there's magic. Yeah, also true. <laughs> um, so the map, do you have anything else to say about the map? Not really. Just, uh, I mean, I feel like there probably was a Dritzed Path in uh, whatever was it, book three. Nah, maybe. But, I don't know, we saw Mushi's Grove. It did not give me as much hope, but this gave me hope. That'll be yeah, slightly better. I feel like I'm, I'm excited to see this story move as opposed to sit in fucking 10 towns for 300, 400 pages. Yeah. Okay. Do you have anything else to say about it? No. Let us move to the two. I guess the poem. Yep. We're going to talk about the poem next. Uh, okay. I, I have some. I, I'd like to talk about the poem for a second. Good. Because my only takeaway was eh. But you, well, I let me. Give me let your, me, give me 
talk to me. Let me expound. Let me. Uh, Shall we read a, the poem? Let me, as a pope would, pontificate. Do you want to? Do you want to read the poem? I don't want to read it. Do you want to read it? I don't I, really want to read it. Okay, fine. I mean, do you want to read We've it? dug our holes in hallowed caves, put goblin foes in shallow graves. This day our work has just begun in the mines where silver rivers run. Beneath the stone the metal gleams, torches shine on silver streams. Beyond the eye of the spying sun in the mines where the silver rivers run. The hammers chime on mithril pure as dwarven mines in days of... Yer. <laughs> A craftsman's work is never done in the mines where silver rivers run. To dwarven gods we sing our praise. Put another orc in a shallow grave. We know our work has just begun in a land where silver rivers run. The land. Okay, fucked up. One word. I'm sorry. Well, you fucked up your also. No, they, they should have been a rhyme. Uh, he fucked it up. I fixed it. <laughs> All right. Um, so my, my uh, note here. I wonder what percent of my contempt for this poem... <laughs> I like this already. Comes from its quality versus it feeling too much like a Lotor ripoff. Versus? And to that end, how much of Dungeons and Dragons is simply people wanting more of that Lotor feeling? Lotor here means place, Lord of the Rings. Am I judging Salvatore for writing derivative fanfiction or for writing it badly? <laughs> I cannot tell anymore. I'm aware that I sound like a Lovecraft character who writing a journal about their descent into madness, but I don't <laughs> care. <laughs> it's the best observation ever. Um, <sighs> Do you understand what I was getting at? Like I that, get this, this... No, I get it. I'm trying to think about the way to approach that. I don't want to chide anybody for writing fan fiction inherently. But when you, when you think that it's good enough to be published and you're clearly not accepting feedback that's probably being given you, judgment begins. Well, I, that's the and, trouble. And, I, and, and some of it should be fall on the shoulders of the publishers who are like, yeah, sure, good enough. But, but again, this is, this is like 30 years old. So like what was what it was it bad then? Like there I, was I, good fantasy then. Was there? <laughs> like, I mean, like. I, I heard something recently about the really good, and I wish I remembered more, I, the really good Dungeons and Dragons novels. And I, re, I don't remember what it was, what series it was, but it was de there was definitely a line in that review. Or, was it Dragonlance? Maybe. But there was a line in there like, unlike those Forgotten Realms books. Mm -hmm. So I know it wasn't this series. It might yeah. have been Dragonlance. Um, I don't even know if that's actually a D&D &D property. I just remember that that name in the thing you sent me that was this article. Um, the uh, Yeah, I I think that, that, that I'm having trouble, at least in the... Because this is the first thing we really read in this book. Mm -hmm. And I will... The, the chip on my shoulder runs deep for the animosity towards the Sorting Hat song. Mm -hmm. that's true oh oh wow well, and you wanted to read Lord of the Rings with the 30 pages of a dwarven ballad I mean I'm assuming it'll be done well because so many fucking turds have tried to do it since then here's what I'm telling you if we ever get around to the Hobbit yeah uh, they have that song far over the misty mountains that was in the movie 
a group of nerds took the entire song and did it to that arrangement. It's like 18 minutes total. I I bought it, both parts of it. So you can just listen to that if you want. Sure. And that's yeah. and and that's what's hard for me is to not read that stupid fucking thing in the same arrangement with the same sort of like attempts at cadence. Yeah. And it just feels like, oh, that's yeah, that's what this is. This is just saying, yeah, why bother establishing too much of my own fiction about these races Tolkien created? Right. Or like established. Why 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 work harder to to work on those? I'll just do exactly the same fucking thing he did. Oh and, fuck, it could work, couldn't it? Yes, it can. We've dug our holes and hallowed caves. Come on, come on. I'm not doing it. Put <laughs> goblin forth. Okay. <laughs> yes, as I suggested, it seems like it fits. Um, I, which, I had I had not picked up on that. That's a very canny observation. It's it's gross. Uh, it's a little bit. I, well, it it's a it's little bit gross, but but it's it it seems like a direct corollary to anyone who, you know, and that eagerly writes fan fiction for their friends that, to read. Ergo, the thing I said before is like that's what I, this is this is the plight I'm enduring. Is do I hate this for what it is, or do I hate it for what it's for what it's homaging? I don't. I'm just, I'm just saying, I, 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 I'm just, I'm only, I, I heard you say it before. I'm just saying, I don't know if gross can fit there. I guess when I say gross, I mean if, if, if it is, it, it's cringeworthy, is what it is. It's, it it's is this, very. It's, you're it's, right. It's, it's this feeling of, and that's what I mean when I say gross. Is like okay. I, I feel gross because I'm cringing because mm-hmm. I am. My skin is crawling with the understanding of how tacky this is. Watching Elizabeth Shue and Anthony Rapp do babysitting blues. I get it. I'm there don't know what that means but yeah it uh it's the cringiest moment in cinema history all right i'll, I'll take your word for it Oof. so i'm i i don't know is the answer like i hope that there's not more singing and rhymes and shit like that because it just always feels bad if you can't actually hear what the person thinks the song sounds like but even then it but it does raise a good point of how harshly should i judge these books since they are an example of a, a nascent thing Mm-hmm. published fan fiction wasn't that commonplace and publishers were well, like I think, nerds will buy it we're we're there's enough changes that we're not going to get sued by the Tolkien estate right it's easy money he keeps yeah. writing sure so i guess then we just have to take up arms against a sea of fans who like these books and they could have something better and by opposing but, 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 in them but without like I, i'm also not going to to suggest that there is something but that's the thing i'm struggling with is that Another one of the many things I'm struggling with is that I don't I don't have evidence that there is better work than this. I don't have evidence. You're right, but I have faith. <laughs> sure, I, I I don't know if I have either, which <laughs> is why it makes. That's why I'm so hesitant to say these books are not a good example of their genre because why the fuck would I know? Like how how should I know what the best fantasy novels are and how they read? The books we've read in this show, by and large, are mostly like poxmarked um <laughs> i mean i feel like i have read good books and this isn't one of them and i can judge it by those standards fair enough but like i also haven't like yeah i'm i'm hope that this we we have opportunity to read better books in the future um <laughs> that's not a fair thing to say about this book really at this point but like 
at this point it is a fair thing to say about the last four. Uh, <laughs> I hope I hope we read better books than the last four R.A. Salvatore books we've read. So fair. that's sort of where I my headspace is at the start of this book is my, my the question I want to have answered by the time I finish reading this book is do I have the cringeworthy feeling? Do I have the contempt for that feeling from these books because they're poorly written? Or because I can't get the taste of Lord of the Rings out of my mouth mm-hmm. when I read them. And I feel like those are two very important distinctions. And I hope to have an answer by the time these episodes are done. So that's where we're starting. That's where I'm starting from in this in this book. So unless you have anything more to say on that subject, I suggest we move along. To the prelude. Sure. Prelude. Uh, my summary... This section establishes that our heroes have done little since the end of the last book, possibly nothing, as we find them continuing their southern hike out of Icewind Dale. This section also introduces us to the character Shimmergloom, the blackest and most wealthy dragon. Uh, do you have any notes in this section? Uh, first, there I noticed a, a very thick use of metaphor all of a sudden, which I did not remember in previous books, as opposed to simile. A raven's coat was its tested scales, so rich right. in their blackness. And I was like, really doubling down. But I really like the name Shimmergloom. I wanted that to be my equestrian name. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a good one. <clears throat> <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> I, I'm sorry that I have a uh, resting sarcastic tone. I, I, I don't know why. I don't know how to undo it. It's just part of who I am, but I was sincere when I said it was a good, when I, 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 I've said that earnestly. So, uh, yeah, that's just that's, know that that's good. It's not what I said. I said, that's a good one. And you said, fuck you, <laughs> fuck you. Um, oh, oh, next thing you're going to say, oh, hey, Rob, what's your cutie mark going to be? Some sort of like dark cloud. Pfft. Is that how you think of me? Is that what you think I would say? Yeah. You're wrong, man. What are your notes? Uh, for some reason, I'm very excited about Shimmer Gloom. Maybe it's that I hope this is the first book in the series that doesn't have to worry about being an origin story. But for whatever reason, this feels to me like the first real adventure in the series. Third dragon, though, right? If I'm not mistaken? Third dragon, indeed. Okay. I actually forgot about the dragon reading all we read. So that's interesting. Uh, clearly that dragon's going to come back at some point. Presumably. Uh, that's all the notes I have for that. Would you like to move on? No. What was the point of Shimmer Gloom? Did it say? Did it give us a hint? Nope. Did it, did it want something? Nope. Well, it uh, okay. It doesn't uh, it, like want remember, the gem or... Oh, well, maybe Shimmer Gloom is what's in the mine. Shimmer Gloom, possibly. But Shimmer Gloom says uh, it's waiting... It's super good at eating dwarves. It ate well the day it ate a whole bunch of dwarves. Because it took over the mine. Probably. It's it's it's. I'm saying it's nesting in Mithra Hall. Yeah, probably. I don't think it says that in the... No, but I'm in, saying I think it's... Don't say probably. Say yes, you're right. Probably right. It's, it's you know... I'm going to be like a magic eight ball. All signs points to yes. Better than nothing, I guess. But I, I think... So I, I think that, like, it's... It also says something like, oh, it's just going to wait. It's waiting for someone for its allies to come and ask it to kill again or something like that. So I think that's where that's, I think the dragon is supposed to be the thing we find at the end of the book, Okay. but it's, it, we'll find out. Uh, anything else? 
No. Let us advance to... Part 1. Searches. Summary. Dritz discusses his perspective on the afterlife and on the need and origin of dragons. He suggests possible origins of the draconic species and indicates his own belief is that the dragons sprang from non-existence into being as soon as the first reasoning mortals conceived of them in their minds. I'm pretty sure there's an actual dragon god in Dungeons and Dragons, and I don't think it was created by imagination, at least not in the world Dritz inhabits. Do you have any notes in this section, in this part? I, I remember, for whatever reason, for like the first paragraph or two of this Dritz Decide, I was like, oh, this is different, this is great, and then it just lost me. Hard. And it felt like it was all over the place. Uh, I wrote down the the passage. We make the dragons as we make the gods because we need them. Because somewhere deep in our hearts, we recognize that a world without them is a world not worth living in. And it bothered me, but I don't remember why now. What are you looking at with your big old your big old book there? Oh, I was just like this old thing. Yeah, well, this is just a Dungeons and Dragons book. Called the, the uh, Tyranny of Dragons. It's just a Dungeons and Dragons book here called the Tyr- Tyranny of Dragons. Since we're talking about dragons in Dungeons and Dragons, I figured I might and and the and the concerning the origin of dragons. Mm. Uh, this just figured I'd read this to you, at least this, this section. Okay. Tyranny of Dragons tells an epic story spanning two adventures, Horde of the Dragon Queen and The Rise of Tiamat. The two tales contained within this collection. Both adventures are introduced here, outlining their backgrounds, plots, and fundamental ties, followed by the details of allies and villains relevant to both adventures. Regardless of which adventure you're running, its overview provides useful information applicable to the wider campaign and helpful for the foreshadowing the threats unleashed by the Cult of the Dragon. Well, this isn't actually what I wanted to read. That still weirded me out, though, because I got one of those Amazon recommendations today. You know, pop up on your phone from the Amazon app. And it said, we think you might be interested in this thing on sale, The Rise of Timot. Oh. I'm like, the fuck is this? I'm not interested in that. And now you've just blown my mind. Uh, Dragonfire threatens to consume Faerun. Do you dare oppose the cult of the dragon and resist the might of Timot? Queen of the Dragons. I don't know how to say that name. I'm just going to say it differently every time. Sure. Welcome to Tyranny of Dragons. This book collects two thrilling tales, The Horde of the Dragon Queen and The Rise of Tiamat, combining them into a single campaign spanning Dungeons and Dragon adventures. This adventure is designed for parties of four to six first level characters who should advance at approximately 15th level by the time they reach the final showdown with the goddess Tiamat herself. So that's the thing, is that the little bit I understand about Ti- T- Tiamat, however you fucking say this name, is that she's a god of dragons, uh, possibly a dragon progenitor. Because she is... The odd thing about... I don't know, I don't know enough about her. Mm-hmm. But what I do know is that she is a five-headed hydra dragon, essentially. Like, she, she isn't a hydra, but she has five fucking dragon heads, which, you know, looks an awful lot like a hydra. Right. And each of them are different colors to represent the different each the different colors of the five main colors of dragon um in Dungeons and Dragons. There's so also you got, you got like what? White? Yeah. Blue? Yeah. Green? Yeah. 
red, yeah, and black. Yeah, dude, I was totally guessing. Sweet, you got it. You got them all right. Uh, you didn't guess pink or yellow or orange, and I think for that you you win. But also, you do, could have seen the photo of the, the second level. Of the book. Not for that. Oh. Um, I didn't. The, uh, I didn't. I, I I honestly was in tune with the ether. Okay. Um, there are also, I think, at least five uh, metallic dragons also, but um, that's not what we're here to talk like in, about. Like in Chinese Zodiac, I'm a fire snake. More like a gold dragon or a copper dragon. Mm-hmm. But I mean, they, you know, you could, you could be metal or fire or earth or water or air. No, you'd be metal or color. Is the no, I'm two. saying we're talking about Chinese astrology, Doug. Yeah, I'm not talking about that because oh, okay. I think it's not matching is what I'm trying to suggest. Um, the Anyway, so what I'm get, all the reason I'm getting at with that is that I think Dritzt is just off on how dragons came to be and why. Uh, so, you know, take that, Dritzt. I mean, people believe all kinds of bullshit, so I guess it makes sense that your fictional character would too. Yeah. But nothing else. Nothing else was particularly great. I have one note about this though, oh. this this part, which is that I don't I don't know if this is a real thing, because we haven't gotten there any further in this book. For that is to say, we haven't read a part two yet. But it occurs to me this may have been the first part that kind of feels like it might have been written in present tense. There's no part of it in which Dritz alludes to having had many long adventures. Oh, I see what you're saying. I see what you're where saying. Where he not, like. He's not- calling his shot from the future yes and in that way it could be like a like like i could it just be like a journal entry he's making of some kind at, at, in the present so right. I, i'm not saying that is what's happening but it occurred to me that it could be because like i said that section doesn't allude to all the friends he's made all the years he's lived so was it like less distasteful have. because of it yeah good it was still stupid but it was oh also, no yeah yeah it was also much better um anyway let's let's progress chapter one a dagger at their backs summary the assassin artemis entreri searches regis's house in search of the halfling's gem his search is interrupted when caddy Bree and cassius walk through the door discussing plans to remove regis's belongings so cassius may reclaim his former home in the halfling's absence Intiri waits and listens to the girl speak with her dwarven friends, learning, all the while, information about Regis and his companions. Artemis eventually catches Cadibri alone, which affords him the opportunity to attack her and learn what she knows about his prey. Intiri is again interrupted by the dwarves, who valiantly die by his blade as they attempt to rescue Cadibri. Any notes? Yeah, I have a couple. Do you have I any? Have a couple, too. What's okay. your first note? My first note's on page 14. Uh, I don't have a page note specifically. I feel like mine Maybe before that, though. It's about orbs. I don't have any notes about orbs. Orbs are back, baby. Oh, yeah? Uh, Yeah. They talk about... Ah, right, here we go. Okay. Cool. The okay. dilated orbs of his eyes focused on the narrow path. <laughs> Salvatore, get over your orbs. Well, the dilated orbs of his eye. Orbs are a globe. <laughs> You're saying you've got a globe on your fucking globe? No. The iris, I will generously allow maybe is a dome or a hemisphere. It's not a fucking globe itself or orb. So 
Shut up, stupid. Well, I mean, is it not fair to, to remind you that this could be one of those metaphors he uses? Or do you think he's being... You, your problem is that you believe he's being too literal with the word orb. I'm saying metaphors have to work to be a metaphor. I think metaphors have to be not so overly used to work as metaphors. Also true. Um, the only other, I think the only thing, other thing, thing I have in this chapter is, is a note on writing, so you can, you can give me your real notes now. Page 14, Artemis suggests that Regis's trail would be easy to follow after two 10 days. Uh, unless there's some kind of magic going on, I call a little bit of bullshit. Firstly, we know that the last book, in the last book and through the prologue, uh, that our heroes are traveling through windswept icy tundra. That means their trails likely would have been blown away or significantly obscured by the shifting snows. Unless, of course, the tundra that they're talking about is not snow swept, which pretty sure everything we've read so far indicates it fucking is. Or maybe it's a well-worn path and everybody traveling to that area from 10 towns goes the same way. So it's not hard to follow, but he's not telling me any of that. He's just saying it's been 10 to 10 days. It'll be easy to follow. Why? Help me understand sure. the why. Or don't fucking say it. <laughs> well, I mean, we know each of these books doesn't take place in the same world as the one previous to it. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. Very true. <laughs> he, he he does the uh, the evil dead thing where, you know, each subsequent sequel kind of rewrites what happened last time in the first 10 minutes. Yeah. It, these these books are, are uh, they're uh, what if episodes. Yes. Yeah. Yes, they are. All right. My next note is on page 22. Uh, and it's just that it, there's a moment in this in the fight where uh, Artemis fights the dwarves, where it is suggested in a comment that Cadbury is bound to the chair she is in, and I did not remember her being bound in the first place. I remember her walking through the door, having a knife to her throat, being smacked around, and then suddenly she's tied to a chair, and I didn't remember that happening in the book at any point. I was wondering if you, I was hoping you would be like, oh yeah, of course it was this moment. But it sounds like you are also perplexed. Uh, I, only because, oh yeah, here it is. Caddy Bree's eyes never turned from in Terry's face as he quickly tied her to the chair. Oh, boring. Sorry. Uh, quickly tied her to the chair. Fuck you, Salvatore. All right, um, <laughs> moving you on. my reading comprehension. It's just, it's just, anyway. It's... No, I, no, I, I hear you, I hear you. <sighs> All right, I don't have anything else to say in that chapter, do you? Um, so I'll, I'm going to try calling these out a little bit because I, I, I write notes on them, and we can have a brief discussion, but it's not a big thing, but I feel like it's... I think I'm starting to develop an idea about Salvatore's writing that I'm going to perhaps get into at the end of the episode. Okay. But he had, he had a moment here that just confused the hell out of me. And I, I think it's just kind of mixed metaphor. It doesn't know what he's saying. Right. He wrote a tear tracing a solitary a tear tracing a solitary line down each of her cheeks. Ah. Uh, and it's the singular to the plural that I'm like, I know what you're trying to say. What I if no what wait, wait, to wait, be poetic. Wait, what okay. if you're what if, when what what is her relationship to the ground in this moment? I believe she's in the chair. Sitting or lying down? I believe sitting. Because there's a point where she gets knocked over and she's mm. on the floor. So it could be possible that the single solitary tear is drawing a straight a line through both of her cheeks is coming from the eye highest, uh, like most upward down her cheek and across her face down through the other cheek. I suppose that's possible. 
This I bet. Unless I'm mistaken, this is before the dwarves show up. This is page two twenty one. Oh, okay, then it, then it's dumb. Because she's sitting in the chair upright at that point. Quickly tied to the chair, jeweled dagger flashed before her eyes. Slowly traces the circumference of her face. The longer it takes you to answer, the more pain you will feel. Caddy Bree toughened under Brunor's tutelage, found herself unnerved. She'd faced the defeated goblin. Blah, 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 blah. Dagger flashed again. Regis wears it, Caddy Bree shrieked, a tear tracing a solitary line down each of her cheeks. And it's the E. I mean, not. it would be a cross. I, it, no matter what, it's confused and jumbled. Yep. And With you, dude. We'll come, we'll come back to this later, but here, this is just one of them. Okay. Okay. Well, then, advance us, good sir. Chapter 2. City of Sails. Summary. The party makes its way to Luscon, a walled city wary of strangers in the hopes of making their first contract with someone who knows something about Mithril Hall. Luckily for Wolfgar, who is too eager to prove his mettle, Regis takes great pains to smooth the barbar- soothe the barbarian's ego before the more experienced Dritz and Brunor venture into dark alleys in search of more information. Do you have any notes? We have at least this book's rewritten confirmation that Guinevere is a lady cat. Oh. Page 38, I did write a number down. Well, good job. Is that what I've been saying the whole time? Uh, you said she, you said he called her he, he at one point in, I think, book two, but we couldn't find it. And then three and four, there's a lot of it. Yeah, I feel like in my heart, she's been a she the whole time, but I don't. Really I, like... I feel the same way. And then where's that blasted cat? Brunner asked uh, where we need her most was the drow's answer. What if Dritz is just straight up using all the pronouns? Oh, maybe. <laughs> and we just don't know it. That's a possibility, I suppose. Or <laughs> it, 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 it leads a lot of credence to the multiverse theory, which would explain all the inconsistencies you've been having a problem with. That's, you know what? You're right. It's been my fault all along. For <laughs> Into not the Dritztiverse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, it could also be that, like, I, th- I think for me that the 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 strength of of the her nature of uh, Guinevere is that he he wants to fuck her so bad. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, there's so much of that in there where it's like, oh, my dearest Guinevere, to me my shadow. Like this this creepy S and M shit. Like this weird like sub and dom thing. Like where <laughs> like where she she just she does everything he tells her to do. She calls him master. She, like, is clad in all black like a gimp. She... <laughs> Does not speak. She, she doesn't talk because she is not allowed to. Right. And she serves at his pleasure. There's just a lot of weirdness, like... And there's a lot of things he talks about. I think he calls her his soulmate, like, other stuff. There's other stuff in these books where it's just... I really want to fall in for the fantasy aspect of it. It's like, no, he's, it's just, he, it's why, how else would he talk about his, like this part of his soul? But then like, like I love my dog. Like she is my little shadow. She's a, she's a, uh, she's very uh, feline in her, in her shape. Some, I think sometimes, and especially her coat, it's all mostly all black and she's sure. just gorgeous. And uh, I love that little dog to pieces. And she's like my little best friend, but I, 
I don't think there's there's like a throatiness to how Dritz talks about her. I I hear you. That that is like a next level like. There's a desire. Love. It's not just love. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> so you know, there's that. And and considering that I'm assuming Salvatore's writing is pretty like heterocentric, like the cat not being female wouldn't make sense. Just feels field. like it would yeah. just not, yeah yeah. All right. Well, do you have any more notes now that we've uh, talked about bestiality? I only have a um, <laughs> I have, I I only have a note about the end of the chapter. So if you have anything else, I have uh, two notes on page thirty-seven. I don't know if that's the end of the chapter or not. It's it's definitely not. Okay. Um. Then my first note is. As Dritz and Brunor leave Wolfgar and Regis alone, I am reminded of the ever-sage advice, never split the party. Is that a Dungeons and Dragons thing? Yep. I mean, I can see why it would be taxing on the DM, but in, you know, narrative, you always got to split the party up so they can both have side-by-side adventures and they meet back up. Like, what trouble have you gotten into? I mean, mean, that's classic. That's sitcom shit. You got to have an A plot and a B plot. Yeah, but as the party members who are in control of what your characters do, you don't do that. <laughs> like, because because then, unless it's, like, exceptionally urgent and the DM's done a very good job of forcing your hand, mm-hmm. you don't do that because you are so much weaker without a member. Right. Like, the idea of, and considering how parties are built, like, we're in a good party. This party, like, is, is pretty barbarian heavy it's very fighter heavy where regis is really their only alternate who is a thief he's the closest thing to yeah yeah he's really a thief he's a thief and a and a like he's got a lot of points in charisma Mm -hmm. and and pickpocket and things like that whereas dritz is just an exceptional fighter brunor is an exceptional fighter and wolfgar is a fucking barbarian so it's basically like gauntlet yeah yeah it, it is right you're just oh everyone's a fighter so, so their party, and they have no magic users, really, except Dritz a little bit, but in that shitty drow way where it's like, how many times am I going to have to watch him cast fucking fairy flyer and be reminded fire, and be reminded that the fire doesn't actually burn. It just makes the thing think they're on fire right. or, or cast a black orb. And it's like, yeah, I know. It's just like, I know that's what has to happen, but I kind of wish they had a, some kind of mage. I wish they had something. Maybe Caddy Bree will take up learning the book, learning of the wizarding way. Perhaps, and maybe it's a lot easier, or maybe she's maybe she's innately a sorceress, and we don't know. Yeah. But um, but it's also the kind of thing where I think it's a lot easier to make mages the bad guys. Sure. Um. So that's I think where this is really going. But anyway, mm-hmm. don't split the party. Page thirty-seven. Quick note. I wrote to myself. There's been more than a few typos so far. And I think that after the 80th printing, they would have fixed it. 37, huh? Yeah. What's this typo? Yep, found it. Okay. Guinevere, he called softly. Come, my shadow. His beckon reached out across the plains to the astral home of the entity of the panther. The great cat stirred from her sleep. Oh, okay. It was one one page earlier. Her. Yep. Many months hid past since her master had called, Ooh. and the cat was anxious to serve. Well, it's a very uh, medieval English version of mm-hmm. had. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Dritz de Worden doesn't want to fuck his panther. Yes, uh, both of those things are true. Good good eye. It stops me when I see it, and I go, ugh, why? Why, is that, why does that taste so poor? 
yeah i don't get it this is my mine's the 12th printing yours is the 13th by now if we're getting one printing a year i get i i feel like this shit's automated for these paper packs and they're just like plug and play man i agree but you'd think that like at some point someone would write in and go bro page 37 hid go fix the excel file like go fix or or the 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 uh, the Acrobat profile. And I'm sure that's getting, you know, put to the bottom of the heap after all the moms are like, I'm sick of you printing this death metal <laughs> Satan books. I mean, it's not 1992 anymore. Dude, Satanic Panic's live and well. I think it's, but I, I would hope that it's passed over Dungeons and Dragons again. <laughs> it's, it's, that, way more I, that focused doesn't mean that Harry the Potter. people publishing it aren't getting those complaints. That's true. All right, well, that's my notes. Do you have any more notes? Uh, just that the <sighs> the reveal of Whisper being a woman felt trite and unearned. Mm-hmm. Where I'm like, you haven't really built it up that it's got to be this guy to have the reveal of, no, I'm a woman, have any kind of weight. And even I if- I am if... no man. Right? Oh, where have I heard that before? Well, only every time you look into the mirror- what? That's where you've heard that before. Oh. Oh, weird. Weird weird thing to say. Just, you know, uh, if, in case it wasn't clear enough, I'm making an allusion to the I, my earlier suggestion that this is very fan fiction-y and that, that, that this seems a lot like the twist reveal of how the Witch King dies in Return of the King. Um... In case I have to spell it out for the audience. That's it. Uh, okay, let's uh, advance to chapter three, nightlife. Summary. I left a boogie. Wolfgar defends Regis in a bar brawl, but costs the party their lodging while Dritz and Brunor secure a map to Mithril Hall at the cost of offending Whisper, offense, and potential crime lord. Knowing the extent of the damage they've caused and the attention they've garnered, the party scales the walls of Luskan on the path to adventure. <laughs> Uh, I have a note in this chapter. Give give your note unto me. Uh, page 43, do you have any notes? I got some notes, but I don't think they're specifically page-centric. We can go back and forth. It's fine. What's up? Uh, my note on page 43 is, I know this chapter is not over, but damn, Regis just stone-cold swiped Wolfgar's squeeze. Uh, <laughs> he's the anti-wingman. <laughs> uh, I'm kind more of, of a hoping, leg man. I'm kind of hoping this isn't some clever uh, ploy and Regis just wants to get laid. That's... I was really, I really liked that move. I really liked Regis being like, oh, you don't think I'm a scoundrel? Check this. <laughs> I'm going to, like, kind of mind control a woman into taking interest in me sexually. And I was just like, holy fuck, that is some <laughs> evil shit. Like, if he does that, that's fucked up. Like, yee. Like, there's like, you know, there's coercion and then mm-hmm. there's what he's doing. Right. And neither of them are, you know, good uh, you're absolutely right. And I think it. this is one of those things where I don't probably have enough data yet because R.A. Salvatore writes about women so rarely. Mm-hmm. But there does seem to be a flavor creeping in of they're either, you know, dirty, haggard harlots or duplicitous like Shadow or Whisper, whatever her name is. Well, all the drow women, 
it, it, something about later when when they're actually fighting Shadow. That's in this chapter, right? Or Whisper? I think it's this. I think it's this chapter. Yeah. And and it's like they have the the scene where Brunor breaks her nose. Mm. And I find sometimes in media that like the author creates a scenario where it's justified to be to to brutalize women, and it always sits unwell with me. Mm-hmm. And it's like. I get she's a bad guy, but also the author set this up. Did he set it up so he could break her nose? It, it, there's just a weird thing, and it, I, it's, I, yeah, you understand what I'm saying. I'm not, I'm not calling it out. I do, but it's something I'm 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 going to be looking out for. Yeah, I I appreciate the sensitivity, and I do think that in this situation, I mean, it's a it's a violent adventure story. Yeah, the the violence is going to skew across the gender spectrum. Sure, I feel like I would be. I don't know. I, 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 yeah, I don't know. Uh, For all intents and purposes, you are right. Right. But it is one of those things that always just makes me go. Well, beyond that, like, I think that there's something more to what you're saying beyond this specific instance where I don't think it really fits, but, but like there are like the, the problem with the way that the, the drow women in, in the, in Menzo Baronzan are evil, like almost. Well, but, uh, but also the, the, um, the, the 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 bar wench the 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 prostitute whatever you call it she she was written in a very oddly it, it was stereotypical of you know the haggard woman of the night kind of thing right I don't I don't um, know they're, they're just, that, it's just, again it's a, it's a flavor that well, I could be imparting I don't know about that I just I think that it's I think what you're you're detecting is your own sensitivity to a trope of the genre. But it may not be that might maybe that's part of the problem is that it really isn't just this genre. Sure. But I do think it is a like very strong aspect of the the high fantasy genre is like the ex- the exploitation of women. Yeah. Um. I, I mean, I think you have to look no further than how many times did we read about Kessel's harem versus True. how many times has Caddy Bree done something? Cool? Yeah, exactly. Um. And there's not really a balance. And, and 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 I think I mentioned, I talked about this a while ago in one of the other episodes, this, this idea that it's hard to, to know if it's something that the author themselves is preaching or expressing versus it's just a representation of the world we actually live in. And despite how much we'd like to live in a world that isn't like this, no, you're, you're, and, we do. And a world from 30 years ago, too. Right, right. Um, and And how right is it for us to rally against fiction when our we're not helping our real world people and we're not we're not making change in a in a real way we're sitting around and doing the easiest thing possible and like preaching from a perspective of well i didn't like this in the fiction i'm reading so i'm gonna get mad and cancel this author and it's like well why don't you go like volunteer at a a home for or or like what like a wake a shelter yeah a shelter you know like a place a place that helps women who have been uh brutalized you you know you could you could be a big brother or a big sister that helps a lot i assume uh, it's better than nothing there's a lot of things that are open to people that aren't just like looking at a book and being like this is what's wrong with society but at the same time i think that it's fair to notice those things and i, I especially with this author i mean you you brought it up for like four books that <laughs> you would very much like to see a female hero show up and it doesn't feel like it's really happened yet. It, it doesn't. Um, it feels like Caddy Bree could be on her way. Spoilers for later chapters. Um, 
but man, the first thing she did was, you know, kind of get tied to a chair and kind of get fridged, cut up a little bit. Yeah. Till she gave up the info. She didn't want to and she was defiant, but she ultimately did. But, but but you know, there was also a stronger man standing above her with a knife to her. Absolutely. Absolutely. Forcing her to do, no no I'm not oh I'm oh not, I see I see, yeah, I see yeah, yeah you yeah, see yeah. where I'm going now yeah forcing her to give him what she wants so you know and then when someone came to rescue her he killed them and then did that extra creepy thing where he kind of just kisses her on the forehead and says not tonight and then runs off into the night to haunt her for the rest of her fucking life around every corner and every shadow right as that displaying all who, kinds yeah, of power over her right and 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 and. That, that thing where if Caddy Bree had fucking car keys, I'm sure she would grip them tight mm-hmm. kind kind of thing. It's uh, it's not it's it's I don't I mean, that's, that's the thing is it's it's I don't know if my distaste for this in this book comes from how some sort of responsibility to the author for reflecting back on to me a world that I do live in that isn't good or how much do I suggest that this author is enjoying a fantasy himself. Right. I wasn't trying to suggest that yet. I feel like we've, we've kind of danced around this idea for the last couple of books though, uh, or, or other, other books too. This idea of like how much of what someone writes is themselves versus are them showing us the world we live in. Sure. And I, I don't, I don't I still have, have an answer. answer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, but I, I think this is one of those times where it's, it's worth talking about. There's definitely smoke. I don't know what's burning. Right. Uh, do you have any more notes? I do. And again, I did not write a page number. Damn it. I'll be better next time. I'm sorry. Don't worry, folks. It's only our 116th episode. He's <laughs> still very new at this. Somebody had to dug this episode up. <laughs> uh, that's, but... a, that's a that's lazy. You have to admit, that's a lazy joke. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> Um, but I don't think I necessarily need a page number. I he used this. Oh, same... well, thank God you didn't write one because you don't need one necessarily. <laughs> you're, you're like, the, OK, so this page, this note is your is your the page number of this note is your quarter to your Fonz's jukebox. <laughs> you don't need one in order to make it work. I'm going to slap it, and it's going to play. Continue, Arthur. Hey. Twice, Ari Salvatore used a very poetic description for two different characters, and reading it the second time took me out of the book and took a lot of the edge off that first description, which was, uh, toned his muscles to their sharpest fighting edge. He used it both for the assassin at the beginning and for Wolfgar in this mm. chapter and it was just it's just more of that same you're not rereading your books are you right like he has you don't his, know what's come before you don't know when something's redundant or it's it's he's maybe he's writing so fast because keep in mind how fat quickly these books came out very true he, he and other books writing, yeah he could be writing so fast that it doesn't occur to him that he or, or that it's important to not double up on his metaphors and similes and comparisons and, and et cetera and descriptions. Sure. I mean, maybe that's why I, I, I have, I have one later that's real bad, Okay. but like, uh, but it's, it's similar to the orbs thing where it's just like, dude, come on, just say fucking eyeballs. Like, just let it go. 
just like take take the description down a couple notches and the books might be better or or if it's like a love scene use it then like like have it germane to what's going on if you're going to be poetic have it have impact like like the orbs of his testicles glisten in the moonlight right that i mean i only like testicles when they glisten in the moonlight so you know you're more of a nighttime man oh Um, you know a nighttime man weird i actually do know that um (laughs) uh you do not like the sun i it's a that there's an orb that we can fucking do without now there's a okay um (laughs) All right. Do you have any more notes on this chapter? Uh, I don't. All right. Take us. Take us to the to the next chapter four. The Conjuring summary. Not to be confused with the James Wan film, this chapter deals with the unnatural summoning of a dead person's spirit. Morkai, the Red, from the first few chapters in the last book, is summoned by the wizard who sought to usurp uh, Morkai as the wizard of the North Tower of Loskan. Having succeeded in his plot to replace Morkai. Dendy Dendy Bar Dendy Bar the the badly named seeks knowledge (laughs) from his mentor's spirit on the nature of our hero's journey for he suspects it's related to the fate of the crystal shard he learns as much as he can from the knowledgeable spirit before the dead wizard escapes Dendy Bar's influence meanwhile Caddy Bree has charted passage across the tundra on a merchant caravan in search of the assassin Artemis who's after Regis did I steal your James Wan joke? Is that why you're no, shaking your no, head at me? Okay. No, 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 no. Well, I have a couple notes in this chapter. I have a couple, too. I have a page 62. Did you write a page number for your note? No, I don't have any page notes. Interesting. Or page numbers. How, how could that possibly bite me in the ass? No, no, no idea. I, w- I wouldn't be able to learn from my mistakes enough to tell you how it could bite you in the ass. Well, uh, I feel like uh, that's some sort of critique, but I'm going to ignore it. I would expect nothing less. Great. Or more. Okay. <laughs> so, do you want me to go first? Is, yeah, is let's go okay. first. Yeah. Uh, my note is on page 62. It's odd that a rumor about a Car Kessel's death would reach Luskan and that it would be anything other than the popular belief held in Ten Towns that Regis and not Dritz was the one to kill Kessel, as Dandy Bar in- insists. Yeah. And not only that, but like it is referenced later in these chapters, earlier and later from this point, that it maybe even in this chapter that Regis is the one people believe to be responsible for a car's death. So that's that is a unless there's something I don't understand, or maybe it's just my suspension of disbelief, suspension of disbelief that I don't believe there would be competing rumors about who killed who. I believe that there would be one major thing that most people believe in. it would be whatever came out of 10 towns as the popular belief but that it because that's the only explanation i can come up with for why that would work and i it's bad so that leads me to to start to declaratively say this is bad writing this is a this is a mistake or he hasn't yet explained it but he doesn't explain these kind of things mm-hmm. so I'm going to start to tiptoe out on the on the limb and say, this is bad writing. This is a mistake that wasn't caught, and it should have been. Absolutely. Uh, my next note, unless you had something to add. Um, just that the screaming, impatient antagonist returns. Oh, yeah. In another form, Dindy Bar, uh, a car castle, Matron Malice, 
They're all doing that. I scream at rage. It's 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 all very one note. Yeah. Very. Okay. Sure, the man. The arch wizard. The arch wizard. Yeah, I feel you, man. It's 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 it feels a little repetitive, but whatever. Maybe it's part of the genre. Like, I guess. Yeah. I think of it a lot. Like, if you think about this, as like the all these are like space ghost villains. Like, there's not that much range in them. Like that, that, Mol- Moltar and and uh, you know, Brack, they're not really that different in the actual cartoon show. Okay. Everybody's. I mean, they've all got. God, their I want to watch Coast to Coast now. <laughs> <laughs> Why watch Coast to Coast when you could watch Space Ghost? Because I liked Coast to Coast, and I didn't like I, those well, old Hanna Barbera cartoons. I like Space Ghost. So great. And Fine. Dinosaur Boy or whatever it's called. Oh, I forgot about that shit. Anyway, so like. There's, it's like I, I look at it like grain of salt. Yeah, it's annoying. Yeah, it's repetitive. Also, it's, it's like it's part of the genre. It's part of the thing. I, I what's he gonna be? Like, is he gonna be a murderous wizard stuck in a tower who can summon the the spirit of his his slain enemy and not be a little crazy? He's gonna be a well-adjusted version of that person. No, <laughs> well-adjusted people don't go become the wizard of the North Tower. Right. So, I give a lot. There's a lot of leeway there. My next notes on page sixty-five. Okay. The last sentence on this page feels like Salvatore is pointing directly at me and calling me a being from another plane. So I'll read you the last. I'll read you this. No games, growled the mottled wizard. He glared at the specter, fingering the scroll of torment in open threat. Notorious for answering literally. Beings from other planes often flustered their conjurers by distorting the connotative meaning of a question's exact wording. How's that have anything to do with you? I feel like oftentimes, and maybe you you could relate to this, uh, people will ask me questions and I will answer them very literally as opposed to understanding what they may have meant or what they actually want from my question or from the question. And I will give them the precise answer to the thing they asked. Like... Mm. Um, something like, do you think that X is going to happen soon? And I would say, well, I don't know. Or I couldn't speculate. And then, But you could. You could speculate. That's the I, problem. That's the problem I, I with mean, your, your whole argument there is that you could uh, speculate. You're choosing not to. Okay, but then the shift would be, I won't say because I don't have enough information to determine that at the moment. And then, like... And then, and, then, and then that intrepid questionnaire... Uh, modifies what they've asked you and said, yeah, but, but, but if you were to speculate. And then I say, but I, I won't though. And then they would say, why the hell not? That's what I'm asking for. I don't, I don't have enough information to, I, but I don't you, feel comfortable having enough to do it. So I won't do it. So you make yourself read five goddamn books before you even tiptoe onto the branch of bad writing. And that's being called, that's called being an informed consumer. I think that's called masochism. Perhaps mayhaps. But uh, Quite I don't. I don't consider myself qualified to answer things unless I've done the work. Uh-huh. And that, in this sense, is the reading of the books. Or if someone asked me something like, "Do you think? Do you think golf's gonna go long tonight?" And I would say, well, "I don't know." Okay. <laughs> the thing is, beyond our own like <laughs> troubles with this specific thing, it's hit me with other places too. Like, like if someone asks me, hey, do you think that you're going to get that project done by noon today? I have a hard time answering that question because it's it 
it's not really the thing they want to know. Right. What they want to know is, do you think you have enough time to do all the necessary work to complete this project by noon? Presumably that's what they mean. Yeah. Truthfully, they don't ask clearly enough. People people don't tend to speak as clearly as they should. Well, that's when you start using what they leave out against them. You say, mm, might be three o'clock, knowing that it's likely going to be one, and then you can look like the hero. You, the Scotty thing. No, but that's that only works on the timetable thing. That doesn't work for so many other things. Like there are, I'm what I'm trying to illustrate is there are many, many delicious loopholes in everyday speech. Fine. That the, the the point I'm trying to illustrate is like that I don't feel comfortable taking those risks in conversation, and I feel much more comfortable answering the question that was asked of me. Mm. So like which I would hope would compel other people to go, well, that didn't really answer my question. What if I ask it fucking better? Like saying, do you think you have enough time given your workload to get this project done by this time or something like that? You know, it's just, it's just an example. Of... Sure. And then I could say, well, I could walk through it and go, well, I think I need to get this done, get this done. That could take about this much time. And I think so. I think I have enough time to do it, but do I think I will get it done? I don't know. What is what do any of those un, unspecified qualifiers mean? What is done? What, what does it mean to think? And I don't mean to be pedantic and be an asshole, but seriously, like, what, what do you mean by that? Do you mean, do I have the confidence? Could I suppose it could happen? These are all incredibly varied differences in, in the answer I give. And I don't have enough from what in this hypothetical person is saying to be able to answer it confidently and like without causing more problems or or the thing i dread the most confusion i think you're just as neurotic as me so like if someone were to ask me which which green goblin do you think is going to be in the next spider-man movie mm-hmm. i don't fucking know i can tell you what i that i this is the information that i have but like i don't really know right but no one asked you what you knew they asked you what you think which is i to think suppose. i don't know why are you so afraid of being wrong <laughs> oh well i'm not so much afraid of being mm. wrong it's just i don't need to be I don't need to be wrong. <laughs> well, I think it's going to be Willem Dafoe. I hope so. Okay. That's what I think. If I'm wrong, I'll be like, I guess I was wrong. Or if the question was, which which Green Goblin do you want to be in the next movie? Or do you hope? Oh, I could answer that. Oh, I could answer that easily. But supposing is, is not, not really I, I useful. Think, I think the clues are the Raimi pumpkin bomb and the Willem Dafoe Also, laughter. the same Raimi's directing the movie, right? Like, I'm pretty sure. No. Is he not? No, he's directing Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness, which that will be a sequel to this one. I think it's Mark gotcha. Webb again. Mark Webb's okay. done all three Spider-Men. Okay, well. I think it's Mark Webb, right? Webhead? Mark Webb wasn't the one who did the Garfield ones. Dude, I don't know. I thought uh, it was Sam Raimi. I, I I mistakenly thought it was Sam Raimi. Well, look who was wrong. Guess you My didn't note, have enough information. I didn't. No. Exactly. See? Thank you. I didn't have enough information. I was wrong. I, like I should I'm have gotten right more information. Here, but I don't like how this is playing out. I should have got more information before I said anything. I exactly like what slinking away. No, this is exactly my point. I should have people should have more information before they suppose things. So, bringing to so I felt singled out by that. Brings us to my note on page 67. Okay. How few synonyms are there for modeled? <laughs> because Salvatore uses none of them. <laughs> okay. And that's this chapter specifically. He uses modeled probably 10 times. Oh, modeled. Okay, like flesh. Right, 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 right. Yes. He, he, 
Oh yeah, you could cannot describe uh, the fucking wizard without describing him as modeled. He flushed, bloomed, uh... or pick a different aspect of his appearance sure. that you'd like to accentuate and illustrate besides his fucking skin. Right. It's I don't know what color his fucking robes are. I know what the dead guy's robes colors were. Well, he was the red, right? Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, fair point, fair point. Yeah, it's fucking, I, I, it's so annoying. Do you have any more notes in this chapter? I have two more notes. Okay. One, uh, looks like Caddy Bree is going after the party, which I called in the last chapter of the last book, so I felt proud of myself there. And the last paragraph of this book on page, of this chapter on page 69 is another one of those moments. I was going to read just the last sentence, but I think that actually the whole last paragraph is pretty bad. I'm going to read it and tell me what you think. I'm of two ears. Catty Bree shook her blowing hair out of her face and looked into the sun as it set on the horizon before her. But can it be in time? She asked softly and rhetorically knowing that her whisper would break apart in the wind as soon as it passed her lips. It uh, needlessly flourishy and kind of confused. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And your next note? Uh, that's it. All right. Well, uh, that was Death Readers. Nope. Two more chapters. As, as I as I said in the end of the last nope. episode, you were wrong. The, and there's the new is... information. We have. No, no, we no, are not done. We cannot lie to our listeners, Rob. So, sorry, we dear listener. Now. We're continuing because somebody is a tyrannical despot, and the other one, Doug, decided we should read more. <laughs> one of us is a taskmaster who said, "No, we must continue reading." All right. Because we so, want the book to end sooner. <laughs> whoa. Hey, secrets. <laughs> <laughs> Some things are better left on the producer table than <sighs> than than uh, aired out loud. I asked you earlier if you had any more laundry you wanted to air, and you said no, and here you are. Here you are with our laundry. Well, I, it's it's reached its perfect funky stage, and I want to get a good whiff. You did tell me you were doing that precise thing. It's my fault. All right, tell me what the name of the next chapter is. <laughs> well, chapter five, The Crags. Starring Nicolas Cage and Miley Cyrus. Um, <laughs> summary. I want to know what a those... drow tastes like to you. <laughs> I'm sorry. In retrospect, that was a horrible sentence. And look, my two Nicolas Cage lines are about eating peaches. I'm sorry. Do you know that this uh this cloak represents my uh freedom and individuality? Summary. This is one of those the party camps, keeps watch, plans their travels, buys horses, anticipates ambushes, and fights orcs chapters. Does does maybe hands down your best summary to date. <laughs> um yeah, only note. Did Dritz always have a bow? Is, is he a bow? It's a bow thing? Fucking I know dude. I, elves are famous for bows, but I don't remember him ever using a bow. I think he... It's been so many books. He's always been two dual stool-wielding melee fighter, right? Maybe. Maybe, I guess. Sure. Suddenly we need an archer, and he also has a bow. All right. I, I just wanted to make sure I wasn't missing it, or if you remember something. I don't think something. you've missed. I don't think you've missed Dritz having a deep spiritual connection to his bows, like he does his scimitars. Okay. But, but I I wouldn't be surprised if it was part of what he had on his person. I don't I don't I don't know how things like how big is the sack Dritz carries 
that he could fit Brunor's entire helmet into it while like while they travel. That happens in these chapters. Like, yeah. how, like is it a backpack? Like all the images of him were, that are drawn show him with this like furred cape and these like scimitars and stuff. And it's just like I don't see all the accoutrements that are that are described in the book. Ah, but in those pictures of him drawn, Brunor has his helmet on. So clearly his sack is laying limp under his cloak. Different helmet. Sure, but but I'm sure by the time he puts his helmet on, he's taken the other one off and cast it aside. Just isn't going to hold it. But but what I'm saying is the the helmet on the cover isn't indicative of how large the other helmet was. No, but it's indicative of Drit's sack being empty and hiding under his cloak. Because it's just like a drawstring bag. It's not like, you know, a, a leather haversack. I'd, um, I'd prefer to move on from Dritz Empty Sack. <laughs> Glistening in the moonlight. Uh, I will say that uh, the cover f- does illustrate Dritz uh, sans bow, but maybe he loses it by the time they get to... It could also be on his back, like hidden under his cloak. Like, uh, No, it's going to be a long bow. He's going to have an elven long bow. It'll be sticking up over his shoulder. Maybe. But I'm telling you, uh, uh, before they... Uh, he might lose it ere they get to not you, more. You say that. But look at how not fat Regis is. Also, like I don't know how much I can trust these this these cover images. Well, this could be months from now. He could have lost all that weight. The the Hobbit's got uh, skinny. He does mention that he didn't. He it was the only only the second supper he has in one of these chapters. Right. Anyway, okay. So what are we talking about? Uh, Mind and first page notes on page eighty four. Okay, that was my one note. So okay, you take me away. I'm 84 pages into this book and I don't have an understanding of which bad guy is doing what. There's Artemis in Trieri, the assassin chasing Regis, the wizard of the North Tower who's after the Crystal Shard and Drist, whom he believes to be in possession of the artifact. And then there's this big fucking dragon that's mentioned early on and I haven't seen scale nor tail of since. What exactly is the conflict in this book? Finding Mithril Hall and taking it back for the dwarves. Okay, we're still... At this point, nearly a hundred pages in, and it feels like the book's just getting started. There is an element of just getting to Hogwarts after an interminable summer we had to read through. I'll give you that. So yeah, uh, and at this point, this many pages in, like you said, you had already forgotten about the dragon. Yeah, totally. so like it's whatever. I think <laughs> there. I I don't think that he's going to forget about any of them. It just feels like. It just feels like simultaneously, oh, cool, there's all these different, like, threats converging. Mm -hmm. That's fun. That's complex storytelling. Yes. I like that. It's just, like, I guess by the time we finish this section, I just already want something more to be happening, and it isn't. Bringing the wizard back, or wizards back into it, and having him look for the crystal shard, and having that be a plot point at all, because that could end in one of two ways, as as far as I can see. One... He goes, oh, you don't have it. I tried to kill you out of anger, and that doesn't go. Or two, Salvatore needed a plot for book three, and it's another Death Star. They're going to get the Crystal Shard back, so it can be more competent wizards in charge of the Crystal Shard, and they have to do that all over again. I don't see another option. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's going to be that one. It's the only reason to be seeding uh, I'm after the Crystal Shard at all in this book, as far as I can tell. I feel like the next book's going to be way more about well, I don't really know. Well, no, it's going to be the Halfling's Ring, but I, 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 I mean... Gem. Whatever. It's a ring. It's a goddamn ring. It's, goddamn, it's, a, it's the fucking ring. Come on. It's it's not a ring. It's the ring of power. It's the one ring. It's a medallion. <sighs> yeah, what shape is a necklace? An orb. Fuck you. 
You piece of shit. We are now enemies. <laughs> and this podcast will forever on that, forever on forward be combative. It wasn't before. Now we fight. That was uncalled for. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> all right. That's all I have for that chapter. Okay. Uh, and you, you also are done? Yeah, I'm done. All right. Let's advance. Chapter six, Sky Ponies. All right. I have a note before I get to the summary. Uh, note on the chapter title, probably too excited about this title because I badly wanted to be about Pegasus. <laughs> summary. Our heroes nearly succumb to the orcish blades of their attackers, only to be rescued by a band of local barbarians. And by rescued, I mean captured. Wolfgar bests their mightiest warrior in a contest of strength before Dritz comes to their rescue. And by rescue, I mean escape. <laughs> As the party flees the barbarian camp, the tribal shaman performs a spell that transforms the warrior Wolfgar best, bested in a strength competition into the form of a pegasus. And by pegasus, I mean astral pegasus werewolf thing when the ghostly steed uh, catches up to the party a fierce battle ensues and is won thanks in no small part to the ingenuity of dritz jordan who asks guinevere to transport them to the spirit world where dritz deduces his strikes might have more effect i have no notes on this i came very close to liking this chapter oh really and then didn't oh why well this seemed to me like the battle with the what were they the gray dwarves the gnomes the, the what, what, gnomes what, whatever when they were in the tunnels and they had to have that yeah, fight yeah, yeah, where yeah. they almost allied themselves and then fought and then it was over and then nothing came of it mm-hmm. like this this seemed like it could have been broken up over a couple chapters they escape fine the shaman has to gather his things to create, you know, a new antagonist from the strongest creed, create this whole body horror transformation into the Pegasus. And then it, you know, it also stalks them. It's another thing they have to contend with. I wonder, because I hear what you're saying. Yeah. I wonder if we're in a position where as eager we are to read a good book, mm-hmm. that perhaps, and this is a big perhaps. Sure. Perhaps we're not able to see the drippings for the Aju. Okay. Perhaps we are looking at this and going, what a fucking mess. What a greasy, shitty, fucking gross mess. When in three books from now, we could go, oh, look at the seeds we've reaped. Look at the, like, look at how well this was all plotted ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Oh, the, the, the. Those barbarians on the on the on the plains that had the shaman, oh man! Little did I know how much they would come into play later, and how how significant and impactful that would be. It's a big if. <laughs> it's a big if. I, I I understand the point you're making, and this where uh, supposing and conjecture come into play and aid me, because only so many times am I going to let Lucy hold the football for me, and eventually right. I'm going to be like, nah, I ain't doing it. Right. Agreed. And you're going to keep kicking it. Yep. Because you don't know that this time she's not going to pull it away. Yeah. I'm the hero. I'm Charlie Brown. Sure. Yeah. You are a blockhead. Ouch. It, it, it is absolutely, as you say, possible. 
I'm just reminded of the things pe- I've heard people say about Harry Potter in the same way. Like, oh man, look at how far back she laid that like little chestnut for it to come up again in like the seventh book. No, absolutely. Or, or things like that. And I'm reminded of someone who read all those chestnuts and go, I don't fucking care. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> um, and I think I feel the same way with this. I really do. I just, I guess what I'm trying to suppose is I wonder if that's part of the appeal and the, the faith that people have in these books or the, the appreciation that other people have is having read 11 books and going, wow, after book 11, it, it, it actually pays off. <laughs> and I'm, I don't have that stamina or interest. Um, I, I'm fine doing looking through a subreddit later after reading right. these books and going, oh, it did pay off. I was wrong. We can do a special episode saying, hey, mea culpa. Uh, <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> or just, yeah, no. Well, like, for example, I, I I mean, I've tried not to learn as much as I can, but there's I've seen a couple, like, there are words associated with these books that I have seen pop up in social media. Oh, give them to me. Um, and I don't know what the context they have, okay. but I've heard things like the the name oh, wait, Jarlaxle. Possible spoiler. Oh, okay. <laughs> I've heard, I've seen the name Jarlaxle thrown okay. around. Suggest to me relevance. Eh, that's not relevance. That's like saying, oh, isn't it impressive General Grievous showed up in episode eight? No, that's not impressive. A character from a prequel trilogy written mm. afterwards, you you at that point had planned to use him again later, and that's why you, inter- you wasted okay. my time Fair in the enough. first book. Fair enough. Because you're right, he is a prequel character. Yeah. But like, I'm not saying he's going to show up in this book or even the next book, but I'm saying like, if he shows up later after the printing of that book then he could be a significant character maybe i would i would actually be more impressed if he showed up in book six and got that little bit of backstory in the prequel i'd be i would then would go oh okay but if but if he doesn't show up till book seven on i don't care yeah yeah i don't know that's that's my again uh, i guess i'm i'm ending this episode on a on a, a note of like like i said perhaps this is a deeply well thought out epic but i'm not really feeling it four and a quarter books in um rather i'm still not feeling it a quarter in a third of a fourth of the way through right or four books in a quarter god damn it's late it's it's hard it's hard talking hard um here's a note i've got works without a helmet was a very gimli line Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and what amuses me about that is i don't remember if Gimli was so humorous in the books and if that's just a movie thing in which case uh, Gimli's line was more of a Brunor line ah very interesting so yeah if we ever read Lord of the Rings that will we'll have to see um and then I, I this kind of upon my earlier overview note I, I wish a little bit more time had been taken with Torlin's transformation. It seemed really horrific and he could have really uh, conveyed more than, yeah, it was ouchy moving on. Now it was a monster. Or also like split up the fucking chapters, like have the transformation be the end of a chapter yes. and then like, like a cliffhanger, like, yes. and then have it start. That's what I'm, the, that's the what I'm talking about. Fight, it, start it, the next chapter. It, it, it just, it seemed like it was just taken care of so quickly and it just seemed weird. Like, why did you, 
this could have been a a thing, a, a big villain later on. The idea of a where Pegasus is really fun. Yeah. And the idea that that like this chapter and that it was created by like, accident, by overzealousness. Right. It was great. Yeah. By a mistake of magic. Yeah. Um, and then to see like Wolfgar staring over his corpse and being like like this is a mangled mess of both human and horse parts right and it's just fucking disgusting like that's cool like that's that cool lovecraftian sort of like cronenbergian body horror stuff that i like Mm -hmm. that i look forward to in fantasy books and this is like one of the first times we actually get anything like that and he barely he doesn't give it its due yeah exactly do you have any more notes just just my observation about salvatore's writing that he's got away with words. I will give him that. When when he does his like poetic thing, not not writing poetry, but when he uh, spins phrases, they're spun and they're yeah. solid. Um, but it feels to me like taking Inigo Montoya's well balanced and beautifully crafted sword and using it like a club. He doesn't use those things well, and I wish right. he did. Well, not yet. <laughs> Maybe in seven books. <laughs> I'm sure by book thirty, man, he'll yeah. oh, he'll sing. Yeah, it's really, really came into his own in those the the in the in the in the second ten book of his career. <laughs> so fourteen. No, you know what I meant. Oh, you! Th- we are enemies henceforth. This <laughs> podcast is only conflict. If you thought it wasn't before, now it be. To All right. Both, both alike in dignity. <laughs> Do you have any more things to say about this section? <laughs> I have section? nothing else to say cool. about this section. Well, next time we're going to read chapter seven. It's going to be another big one. Chapter okay. seven through chapter 12 which in both of our books is literally a hundred pages. That's okay. I will get started earlier this time. <laughs> yeah. You will. Yeah. You're the one who is slowing us down. Uh, I, I, I had, but I mean, what I'm saying is I understand what you went through <laughs> <laughs> because I had every intention and I got maybe 14 pages in and then just did anything I could to skive off until the last minute where I was just like, Oh, now can I read the next 70, I... whatever. Here's the trouble I have with these books in the first episode, which makes it so hard to do so many early on, is that because they start with so many little things that we take notes on, like the edition edition, like the, which is not really what I'm talking about, but things like the poem, the map, the table setting, the the prelude, then the first part, like all of that shit takes up time that we, that I, I've tried to, I have to write something for. Sure that takes up so much time. So like I read, I, cause I tried to read early too. I got through 12 pages and that got me up to the first chapter. Yeah. And then I was like, Oh, I'll just have time. But like forgetting like that's still like 80 pages you need to read yeah. more like 90. So yeah, it's without that, hopefully I'll be able to breeze through more, more quickly. That's but very true. It's it's, I've just got to remember that that with the next one we do like these, these books specifically are really hard on the first episode. Okay, so that's what we're reading next time. I have nothing more to say. I had a new word alert for uh, modeled, but I now know what it means. <laughs> so uh, it's not really worth getting into. Fair. You know, when they say, you know, when you ha- read a new word, 
used it three times and it's yours. Salvatore used it enough time for both of us. Um, I'll, it, it can also still be his. I have a feeling I will read it a score more times than this book. All right, model count going forward. So, yeah, fucking A. It's a orbs modeled. It's too many. Mm-hmm. Modeled orbs. That's all we need. Or... or or whenever, also when like, take a shot every time Dritz hits somebody with the pommel of his, oh, of yeah. his, his scimitar, or in the temple, he always pommel to the temple. Or yeah, that seems like it would be that would kill someone. You know, the temple's like one of the softest parts of your skull. Yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah, you can like you know really. I've always been told as a kid though, like you can really fuck yourself up there because it's like a soft spot. Yeah, so you can go right into your brain. Really, like I mean, essentially lobotomize yourself, arguably, like or or completely. Uh, break your orbs oh dude if you shattered your orbs ugh, no thanks anyway i'm done with this shit for tonight so let's wrap it up that was death readers i'm doug i'm rob thank you for listening thank you if you've enjoyed this podcast please rate review and subscribe on apple Podcasts, podbean or wherever you get your podcasts these reviews help new listeners find us and join the discussion follow us on twitter and like our new facebook page for death readers news Become a patron at Patreon slash DeathReaders, and please discuss us extensively on Reddit. How about that Spider-Man trailer? I mean, there was enough leaking going on for me not to be incredibly surprised, but uh, I'm I'm hopeful. Okay, so obviously the things that were great about it were great, and we're probably not going to disagree about those. So instead of focusing on how great it was... Let me talk about my anxieties. <laughs> I'm very worried that the I'm very worried that there's there's been a, a, a goblin tease and that the goblin tease will There's absolutely been a goblin tease. Well, I, yes. Yes. What I'm worried about is that despite the design of the of the goblin bo- of the pumpkin bomb and despite the cackle, the unmistakable Willem Dafoe cackle in the in the trailer that it's going to be Dane DeHaan. And if it's Dane DeHaan as the fucking Green Goblin, it will be a huge pox on the fucking movie. Would you be fine with Dane DeHaan and Willem Dafoe? Only if Dane DeHaan gets assassinated immediately. <laughs> like if if like this is how I'll be okay with Dane DeHaan. If he shows up and he's like Peter I'm here to kill you. And then like carnage cuts him in half or something. And then, and then he's like, fuck that. I'm here now. That would be whatever that is, whatever that moment, whatever, whoever you have to have kill him to be in the movie is what I want. If it's the guy from sideways, whose name I forget, who just like fills Dane DeHaan's body with sand and explodes him like a Thomas like, Hayden church. If it's Thomas Hayden church filling Dane DeHaan's mouth with his organic sand molecules until Dane DeHaan erupts into a like mortal combat fatality style explosion of body parts and viscera, that would be something I would enjoy watching. Um, so I don't, I don't think it's Dane DeHaan. I'm going to put my faith in Feige. <sighs> If this is your first time listening, we suggest reading The Legend of Dritz Book 4. The streams... Book Forb? Sorry, I fucked this up. I I, I rewrote some of this and then I fucked it up. Well, also sounded like you said Forb, even though it's clearly Fibe. Oh, goddammit.
Oh, God damn it. That's why you put page notes. Yeah, I, 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 I am getting better about it. It's fine. You we'll, know, we'll clip all this if out. you, you write a little number there yeah. next to the note, then you know what page it's on. Do you, do you remember note, hearing like, that? Do you remember when you said that to me? It's really good advice. You know what else oh, is yeah. really good advice, Doug? What? Looking up, looking up the passage in the correct book. Oh, Rob, look at that. You, oh, don't I feel dumb? That's <laughs> dumb. Hey, man, it's your fault for bringing two books to a book fight. <laughs> man, I'm going to have to read this entire thing again. Good God. Come now, man, get with it. He kept his cloak pulled tightly around him. So lights through the curtain windows. This is existence. Secret of Ah, here we go. Okay, cool. Good, got you.